podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Thank you as ever for coming along. My name's Ben Hocking, joined of course by Sam Sage. And the man who has the 1997 Spanish Grand Prix on repeat. Yes, of course, it's Harry Eid. And yes, of course, that's a Jacques Villeneuve victory. Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. We've, we've got to be positive, right? We've got to try something. Should we just be really positive? Yeah, I, uh, I actually had fajitas for dinner tonight, uh, which is not Spanish at all, but it puts me in a really good mood. Um, and I feel like it's a good start to build up to a race weekend. So let's have a, a bit of a fiesta. Is that Spanish again? Is it still Mexican? I mean, the analogy's gone down the drain at this point, but <laughs> let's try and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's one of your better analogies. I think if Sam, you know, started the weekend by having fajitas, then I don't think there's any way we can go down from here. I think that's <laughs> the only way is up. <laughs> Nothing wrong with fajitas. I'm just saying, like, you started on a positive. You can't. There's no way it can get. You know, can go downhill from here. Life's good. I mean, theoretically, have you had fajitas on a Spanish Grand Prix weekend before, Sam? It's maybe it's the key. Maybe it's I the have key not to an had fajitas race. on a Spanish uh, Grand Prix weekend before, actually. So now, because of the extra spice that I sprinkle in. It's going to be a spicy weekend. Also, I have some of my homegrown lettuce in there. So, you know. Oh, well, wow. you should have kicked off with that. This is definitely <laughs> going to be a good weekend. No doubt about it's it whatsoever. In terms of tonight, though, we are, of course, very <laughs> excited to bring this to you. Plenty to discuss. Roman Grosjean, a real feel good story here. So, he will be driving a Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton said to be gutted that he's going to be replaced, but Grosjean's in the seat. Not for the not for the real Mercedes. He's going to race the 2019 Mercedes um, at the French Grand Prix and a proper test as well. Uh, Colin Coles, what a name, what a guy. Doesn't get featured much on the podcast, who knows why. Uh, but he, the former Force India boss, has stated that the reason Sebastian Vettel was brought into Aston Martin was to make Lance Stroll look good. Uh, thoughts on that comment. And we're going to play Phil in the blank later on. But first of all, we're looking ahead Who's to Phil? round four. Oh, shut up. Honestly. <laughs> Stop it. Stop ben, it. He said last week you were going to just let that stuff slide, but <laughs> we're only two oh, minutes in. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but you're better than that. You are better than that. Anyway, oh, so we're, we're kicking off with our preview for the Spanish Grand Prix. So round four of this season... Circuit to Catalonia in Spain, known for its incredible races, including this one coming up this weekend. So um, looking at the championship, seems to ebb and flow one direction, then the other. Sam, do you think that it can continue on this path without it getting ugly at some point? I'd like it to get a little bit ugly, to be honest. I'd like to see a little bit of a, a, a beast rear its ugly head. and Maybe a collision going around turn three and four of uh, Catalonia would... Uh, be reminiscent of something, but this time let's have a Red Bull and a Mercedes, shall we? So the prediction that I made last week, of course, was quite bold in that the, uh, the two protagonists will come together. Maybe that will happen here in Spain and Bottas can have his one chance to win something. Honestly, um, I'd be amazing if Verstappen and Hamilton 
do manage to go 23 races at the front together all season long. And we know how aggressive, how clinical the pair of them are, how much they want this, that they don't slip up and take the other one off. Or they don't push the limits too far and causing issues to happen. And Catalonia, for all its faults, and yes, there are a lot of them in that racetrack, uh, not generally the area, it's quite a lovely place, but that racetrack specifically, not great for Formula 1 racing. Um, it does have a positive, and that positive is the majority of the track is covered in grass or gravel runoff zones. You do get punished if you make a severe mistake, which I enjoy. Uh, unfortunately, not many people do make mistakes around Spain, but should there be a bit of contact, should there be some trouble, they really will get into trouble. It won't be just a straight runoff like we saw uh, maybe in uh, the America, Circuit of the Americas, where there's lots of asphalt around the outside. They will have to you know, pay the price. Um, so I'm hoping they do come together a little bit. Not enough that maybe ruins a race entirely, but I really like to see them going at it wheel to wheel, get a bit heated. You know, let's see some proper drama between those two. They're all a little bit too pally for my liking for being at the top of the uh, the table. So why not? We've got 20 races to go. Let's have a bit of fun with it. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think that they will remain relatively pally, as Sam puts it, or do you think that this will start to get ugly in time? Uh, in time, I think it, it it can do. I think we're too we're too soon into the season uh, for it to get ugly. Uh, you know, if you look at the Rosberg Hamilton crash in Spain, they'd had years of getting ugly. So, um, whereas Hamilton Verstappen have only had a couple of races. So, uh, yeah, it could happen at some point. I think, but I don't, I don't think too soon. I think so far they've been fairly fairly clear, harsh but fair. I think both on both sides. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's going to happen yet. Uh, but I'd like to hope that at least you know it swings back the other way again. We've had swings one way, swings the other way, swings back the other way. I hope it goes the other way again. So at least it, it keeps it nice and close as we head to Monaco. But um, yeah, I think they'll they'll keep it clean. So because I've said that, Bottas win guaranteed. Guaranteed. Apart from Sam's prediction that Bottas will never win again. It won't. It will. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, no, no bodies at all. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said there in that I, I think at some point this, this probably does get ugly, but it is probably too early in the season for, for that to be the case just about yet. Um, sticking with the theme of positivity, because that's what tonight's podcast is all about as we head into the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, and that is that three races into the season, we not only have something that looks like it's going to be a championship battle, but we've actually seen the two protagonists in that fight, Verstappen and Hamilton, side by side at least once in every single Grand Prix that we've had so far, which is which is great. You know, it's what we've been looking for for the last couple of years. And it seems as if finally uh, a challenger has been able to step up and a, a challenger has been able to step up and he's got a car that's good enough to, to back up his talent. Um, and I think so far there have been a number of sort of reasons as to why this hasn't really broken down between Hamilton and Verstappen properly. If you look at Bahrain, for example, of course, you had the con- the controversy of the Verstappen overtake that wasn't. Ultimately, though, the only two ways anger could be directed from Verstappen's perspective was either at himself for going wide or at the FIA for the rules. He couldn't really direct any anger at Lewis Hamilton, you know, so th- there was never anything that was going to go wrong in terms of the relationship there. 
move on to Imola. You know, that was the one of the three times where the, there was actually contact on the, that occasion. It was a first lap incident, though. So I think both were relatively understanding of the situation. Neither of their races were ruined. Again, they, they escaped something that would affect either of them badly. So the relationship wasn't tarnished by that. Um, and then you go into into Portugal again. They're side by side this time. Hamilton overtaking Verstappen that would ultimately see him get the win. But again, this was a clean overtake, so there was there was nothing going to be as said in either direction. But at some point, I'm not going to say the luck's going to run out. But if they keep going side by side, race after race, soon enough it's going to end in a crash, or it's going to end in one of the two guys coming off worse, or it's going to end in over-aggressive defending by one of them. The point is that the, the you know you just increase the amount of times you, you go side by side, the chances of something not going right just increase each and every time. And, and ultimately, with every race that goes on, the importance gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, that we've seen so far this season, both in terms of team and driver, they seem very evenly matched, very evenly matched. So, Whilst the pressure ramps up and ramps up further as these races go on, and if it's still close halfway through the season, at that point, it, it lends itself to that sort of a controversial situation even more. And when it is as evenly matched as it is, these drivers need to find some sort of way to get ahead. If on talent alone, nothing is going to separate Verstappen and Hamilton, which could be the case. If Red Bull and Mercedes can't be separated, again, could be the case. You've got to find something else that's going to give you, give you the advantage. That can be psychological. That can be, you know, in, engaging in something that isn't necessarily just related to on track. So I think this does get ugly. I, I, I do think this does get ugly, just not quite yet. That'll be then why I, they've uh, brought Roman Grosjean in, isn't it? Yes, that, that is exactly why Roman Grosjean has been brought in. Thank you for clarifying that one, Sam. He's a, he's a mediator. <laughs> I always knew I, I that was his true the calling. Of, uh, he's, he's the difference maker. When Lewis can't take it that one step further, Romeo G can. Yeah, is, is Roman just going to get a call like halfway through an Indy car race and just come on? We need you over here. Get 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 on over here. We need you to to sub in halfway through as if it's nineteen fifties F one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be, it'll be come up to the pits and it'll be uh, Romeo G, Mister Baguette. Uh, Lewis is about four seconds behind Max. We're on lap 17. We've got a pit stop coming up in three laps. If you could just be here to jump in, that would be ideal. And then he'll take the win. Bono, me substitute. <laughs> me baguette. We're moving on. We're definitely moving on. Um, oh and I... I, I keep saying this quite ironically. The Spanish Grand Prix is, you know, one of the most epic that we come to every single year. But there are some naysayers, some doubters out there that, that suggest that sometimes it doesn't produce that much entertainment Fools. on track. I, I know, <laughs> but we have to entertain it. We have to entertain it. They haven't done testing at the Circuit to Catalonia this year, which is the first time in... A long time. I wish I had the year, but I don't. It's the first time in a long time that they haven't gone to circuit to Catalonia for testing. Do you think that that improves the racing at all, Sam? Um, yes, a little bit, but it's not like they don't have a lot of practice sessions. And it's not like they don't have 
bucket loads of data. If you were to print out all the pages of data they have at Catalonia for testing, for weather, for simulation, for tyres, for how cars run, you'd be able to fill up the bloody pyramids of Giza, whatever they're called. You know, they would literally... (laughs) They would be... (laughs) Paper would be flying out everywhere. That's how much data they've got there. So, sorry, sorry, lads. Um, So, honestly... I don't think it makes much of a difference. Out of all the tracks to, to have testing and testing and testing and testing and they have one year without it, this really doesn't make much of a difference. I think the tyres might play a factor. If we get a bit lucky with the weather, there might be some difficulty there. But if it's a completely dry weekend, um, then honestly, the weekend is just going to be a standard weekend in Catalonia. I mean, the cars have got obviously less downforce applied to them, which I do feel like is going to help out in the tricky middle sectors. And of course, they've changed... The hairpin in the middle sector, which I believe was one of the best overtaking spots on the entire track, to now make it null and void. Not saying much. That doesn't help. Ah, exactly. Um, so I do think that realistically, this isn't going to impact it much at all. We're not going to suddenly have the world's most enjoyable Grand Prix, I don't think. I've just had this great idea. Sector three. How about if it was actually like a really fast sector that didn't have all of those all of those turns? So. Hmm. Do you mean get rid of the chicane and then put in just like a big long corner where you can get a lot of speed to then maybe overtake Ooh. on the start finish rate? Is that what you mean? I mean, it, you know, it's probably it's not doable. It's probably not doable. That's right. Apart from it's already been done. Anyway, um, that was a side point. Harry, what's your thoughts? Do you think that the lack of testing, at least in 2021 at the circuit to Catalonia, will have a positive impact on this race? Uh, my first thought, actually, is for Pyramid Geeks. The Great Pyramid <laughs> Giza is 92 million cubic feet. So that's a lot of data. Right. Sample it's a lot of data. Wow. wow. <laughs> um, I've actually forgotten your question, Ben, but I, I think I know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I don't... Uh, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference to the racing. I think at least uh, it might potentially shake up the order we have less practice time this year they've lost an hour there's a new ish corner it's not that different but it's kind of new um which that's not going to help overtaking but at least it's something different on the track so you know potentially there's something there but as sam said they have pyramids of geezers worth of data (laughs) around this track Um, yeah like a tumble drive mystery um hashtag so I do, yeah, I've, I agree with some. I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference. Um, and you know, it, it, we went to we went to Bahrain this year because testing in Barcelona was kind of becoming irrelevant anyway. So, well, are they losing much by not even testing that? I don't think so. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to make any difference at all. Because, sorry, positivity, it'll be fine. <laughs> Good answer. So, Good so save. <laughs> no, I. I think overall, like when it comes to producing a good race, generally speaking, there are a number of factors that go into it. So overtaking opportunities, the track overall, the the drivers that are in play, the teams that are in play, how close or how far apart they are. It, a good race is made up of all of these different factors coming together. Um, so realistically, the lack of track time that they've had in 2021 at the circuit to Catalonia it might have a little bit of an impact, but I don't think it's going to make a massive impact. It's, it's one small factor in a sea of 100 factors, really. So, you know, and they, it's not as if the 
the track time that they had in 2019 and you know the race that they did last year the, they've, they've still got that information not nothing has changed a great deal um you know they, they have reprofiled that that corner um but you know to, apart from that turn 10 difference i i don't think it's going to be it's going to be a, a shock to the system anyway there might be there might be a couple of rookies that that struggle in comparison to what you would usually expect from a rookie like uh, normally um, someone with no F1 experience would go to the circuit to Catalonia in February and test there. There might be some that are not necessarily brand new to the circuit because F2 have gone there quite a few times, but um, new is in terms of an F1 car. You know, that might that might make it difficult for the likes of the Haas guys and Sonoda, who knows. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to make the world a difference. One thing that might have made a bit of a difference is um, is the tyres. But for whatever reason, Pirelli are insistent year on year in in giving the, the hardest tyres to Spain. It's always the C1, C2 and C3 tyres at Spain, which uh, leads to everyone's favourite one-stop race. So I, I don't know why they do it. They, they, they seem insistent on it every year. I'd, I'd love for them to just try the C3, C4 and C5 tyres um, at Spain. And with the testing that they do there, they, they do try all the the soup, like the softest tyres in the range. So just go ahead and do it. You haven't got much to lose when it comes to Spain. Apart from we're being positive, so you do have a lot to lose. <laughs> There's a difference between positive and lying. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Let's move on to some bold predictions. Sam, Lando Norris did not win the last race. I hate to inform you of that. Um, so nice. your, your last one, it didn't come true. And Hamilton and Verstappen didn't crash. They, you know, they went side by side, but no crash. There was a moment I, where I thought it might happen, though. But yeah. yeah. That doesn't win your points, I'm afraid. Was that before lights out? That was when I was making the prediction. Oh. <laughs> if, if it's any consolation, Sam, I mean, no one wins anything for getting it right, so... You haven't lost anything, apart from pride, maybe. What, what's your bold prediction this week? Um, you know, because it's Spain, I'm, I was going to say an exciting race. Uh, but I am <laughs> struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I am struggling, to be honest. Usually, for me, bold predictions come very naturally, come very easily. Um, something that I saw that was quite interesting around Portugal was that George Russell had lapped Nikita Mazepin. So I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to say the entire finishing grid will lap Nikita Mazepin. I like that one. Uh, that's, a, that's a very interesting one. So presuming Mick Schumacher finishes the race, he will need to lap his teammate, not something that happens very often. He was only well, 20 seconds off it last time. True. It wasn't far off. Wasn't no far safety off. car as well, and I think he probably would have done it. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting indeed. Harry, what's your bold prediction? Um, my bold prediction is that we will have three safety cars and one red flag during the race. Jeez. Oh my god, am I speaking through you in like some kind of seance? That was bizarre. Are we so are we going to Spain? Are you sure yeah, we're yeah. going to Spain? Yep. And the red flag reason that will be really la- really lame. Be a really, really stupid reason for a red flag. Like Like um a marshal let go of his flag in the wind and they can't get it off the track safely. Yeah, like the um, an umbrella. 
bit windy. And the you just you just know that umbrella that umbrella would give Bottas a puncture, wouldn't it? <laughs> you just you just know it would happen. Uh, the uh, umbrella is caught in my side pod again. Sorry, Bottas, we have to retire the car. Poor, poor Bottas. It's like it's like when Alonso had the uh, the sandwich bag issue in his car. You know, if that was Bottas, it would have just gone straight into his face, wouldn't it? Poor guy. He can't. He can't. He can't catch a break. Um, That's the kind of snack okay. I'd like to pull out of that bag. Fair. Right. My bold <laughs> prediction. Bold. Bold. Yeah. My bold prediction is that the top eight positions in qualifying will remain completely unchanged by the end of the race. So the top eight finishes in qualifying <laughs> will be the top eight finishes in the race in order. Oh, God. Right, let's, let's take stock of what's going on here, folks. My bold prediction is amusing and irrelevant. Harry's bold prediction is the race we all desperately want to have, and Ben is literally damning the entire racing community to pure boredom <laughs> for the whole weekend. Now, here's the thing. Here's my, here's my reasoning here. I got my bold prediction right last week, and I know there is literally no chance at all that I can get two bold predictions right in a row because it just never happens. So I am banking on myself being very, very wrong, in which case we get a good race. Positive thinking. That's true. That's, I mean, Valtteri Bottas is racing, so he'll definitely go backwards. So you should be fine. Uh, well, is he even in my top eight? Yeah, I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding, oh! I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Valtteri. I'm kidding, Valtteri. I'm kidding. Poll one, two, three. What have you got, Sam? Uh, poll, I've got Lewis Hamilton. Uh, first, I've got Lewis Hamilton. Second place, probably saying this, I've got Valtteri Bottas. And third, I've got Max Verstappen. Wow. What's Valtteri Bottas done to, to make you feel good this week? I've got a Mercedes. <laughs> sure. Makes sense. Harry, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to put Bottas on pole. And then Hamilton for the win. Verstappen second. Checo's third. First podium for Red Bull for Checo. Harry, you, you have come to this podcast wired and ready to go. And I am here for it. Yeah, unusual, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, rate for me, pole is Max Verstappen. Ooh. So far, this season, we've had Hamilton win... Verstappen win, Hamilton win, and I'm a big fan of symmetry. Verstappen's winning this one to keep up that streak. Um, yeah, and I've got ben, ben big fan of symmetry. <laughs> <laughs> if it's left up to you two, firstly, I I feel like I should outlive one of you. Like one of you will do something stupid in the next ten years. So, I mean, Sam is literally on our on our recording tour here. It's called Paul Spud, so I think we know who's going True. first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got Verstappen and I've got a Verstappen Hamilton one two again. So Verstappen first, Hamilton second, and I've also got Checo Perez getting a podium. I've got him third. I just realised that n- that no um, Pulisic has converted so far this season. There you go. Fun fact. Interesting. <laughs> Haven't considered that. I've just realised that I placed Bottas higher in this race than both of you. <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> this is crazy. What on earth is going on? We're having a positive week, folks. It's all kicking off here. Stay tuned. 
Okay, so Spanish Grand Prix, it's going to be great this weekend. We'll leave it at that. We'll move on. To another positive thing, which is Roman Grosjean. Um, so following his crash at the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix last year, Mercedes promised him a drive in, in one of their cars uh, and it's going to happen. So Grosjean will drive the W10, which is the 2019 Mercedes, in a demo run at the French Grand Prix and then in a full uh, test day as well. So, I mean, this is just a, this is just a great feel-good story, isn't it, Harry? Oh, how can it not be? And I'm so glad Mercedes kept that promise and it wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not accusing them of being shallow and just saying it for the good publicity, but I'm so glad they've actually managed to be able to follow through and give it to Romy G for the French GP, which will be a lovely send-off. So, um, yeah, big big props to, to Merck on that one. And I tell you what, saw Grosjean in, in the Mercedes suit and I immediately just went, that looks right. Looks right. Looks like he should have been there all, all his career. So I don't know what, why that is, but um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that Grosjean's getting a... It's going to blow his head off. Like an F1 car that actually has grip and downforce and speed. He's not going to know what he's going to do with himself, especially considering he's driving Indy cars now, which are, you know, not not a patch on F1, current F1 cars. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of an emotional, emotional moment to see him do the demo run. But the fact that he actually gets a proper test day as well is pretty cool. So he can properly thrash it for a day around Paul Richard. Um, yeah. Nice, nice one, Toto, and I'm very happy to see a smiley baguette. I can, I can just imagine that at the uh, at the French Grand Prix, obviously Paul Ricard, you've got that first corner, you've got the the very fast left hander. I can just imagine him going full pelt through there and just being like, "This is what an F1 car can do." <laughs> what? Why did no one tell me about this? Um, it's going to be some contrast, isn't it, from his. Uh, from his Haas car of the, the last couple of years. Sam, what, what's your thoughts on this one? It's a party atmosphere, people. It is, honestly, we're all having a great time over in Paul Ricard, um, for the first time, it feels like. I can't believe it. They've stuck to their word, which props to Mercedes. This does them a world of good in terms of pure PR, which, you know, if you're going to be totally wrong, thinking about it in that way, this does make them look bloody brilliant. No one else reached out to do this, not even his own team thought that maybe we could try and arrange something and Mercedes and Toto were the ones that said we're going to make it happen for you. Harry, you're exactly right. I saw him in that Mercedes suit and it just felt good. Looking at him with that gorgeous little face of his smiling away. How can't you love Romy G? He's so nice. He's got such he's a, a lovely bloke, face. He's, he? he's a handsome bloke but he's also one of the most caring people I think that has been on the Formula 1 grid. Honestly, so lovely. So to see him get a go in probably what is going to be the fastest Formula One car we've, we're going to ever have, maybe forever. Who knows? Mate? I don't know obviously where the regulations are going, but currently as it stands, that W10 that he's going to drive is going to be the fastest F1 car ever produced, um, which is fantastic. Now, just correct me, because I think I've misread this. He's obviously got the test day. That doesn't actually impact on the race test, does it? Uh, no. Right. Good, because I was going to have a moment there. I thought that's not fair on either Bottas or Lewis Hamilton, who might be in a title fight at that point. Um, I, mean, I know we've got a lot of love for Romy G, but I'm not sure he, he he should be the person that we're getting the data off for a one-off attempt. But no, I think that's great. I think it's absolutely brilliant that he gets to whiz around in the most successful team 
pretty much of all time now. It's brilliant. It's what he deserves. And this is where he's hilariously fast in the W10. And everyone goes, ah, maybe we should have signed him because he's quite good. Because he is bloody good. Very good. I'm excited. Quick boy. Yeah. He is a, he is a quick boy. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how how much he gives. I, I really hope he goes out there and, and really enjoys it and, and gives it everything that he's got. And I'm pretty sure he will. Um I think everyone, well, nearly everyone wins from this situation, to be honest. Roman Grosjean absolutely deserves this after what he had to endure. So it's great for him that he's been able to do this and go in a car that, that arguably, you know, his, his skills warrant and, you know, he's, he's able to go out there and enjoy it. It is great for Mercedes. It, it makes them look brilliant. Um, you know, maybe maybe they are just doing this out of the goodness of their heart and we're cynical but at the same time it looks pretty good for them as well i think pretty much the only the only people that don't benefit from this are Haas because <laughs> he's been in f1 you know he made his f1 debut 12 years ago now raced at Haas for a number of years and now Mercedes have come forward majestically offering him this once in a lifetime opportunity to drive an F1 car, which is what he's been doing for the last few years. It just looks so bad on Haas that this is so much of an upgrade that this is seen as a once in a lifetime opportunity to do the same <laughs> thing that you do on a daily basis. It really doesn't look good on them at all. Oh, bless him. But yeah, I, I really hope that Grojon goes out there, just goes out there, and enjoys it. I, I'm sure he will. Um, and yeah, um, it's one of those you know you don't you don't get all that many feel good stories in Formula One. Um, it is a very results orientated business. It's a very serious business. Um, but just occasionally you'll get stories like this, and I, I can't wait to see it. So let's move on um, to who is now our favourite person on this podcast, and that is Colin Kellogg's, or Co- Colin Coles, as we're calling him. Um, he is the former boss of Force India, so he does have experience within the F1 paddock, and he has suggested that his old team, um, who are now obviously Aston Martin, um, that Sebastian Vettel's place in that team is to make Lance Stroll look good. Interesting comment. What's your thoughts on it, Sam? I think Colin Coco Pops could do with some milk pour over his head, to be honest, because this is one of the most, this is one of the most rid- <laughs> ridiculous comments that I have ever heard in Formula How do you one. outdo yourself? How do you outdo yourself every time? I'm trying to make a serious point, guys. Please be quiet. Don't when start it with Coco Pops! <laughs> I mean... What are you basing this on? You're basing this on Sebastian Vettel having one poor season at Ferrari where he was he was out of form. He was struggling after a lot of scenarios that weren't really caused by himself. Um, so that's one bag year of form, right? And then he comes to Aston Martin. He's still a four-time world champion. He's still in the top four or five drivers for a lot of records such as race wins, laps led, and other such things. He's got one of the biggest points tallies against a teammate for a championship win of all time. So where you can just pluck this idea out that to make Lance Stroll look good, let's hire an ex-four-time world champion. Imagine if someone said that about Prost. Oh, Alan, can you come to the team? Yeah, we just want to make someone look good against you. I don't think so. Not going to happen. Yeah, make Damon Hill look good, please. 
Right. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, also, how does it work? Just because Sebi Vett hasn't found the perfect form in the first three races of being in a new team, look at other drivers who are currently received very well. Daniel Ricciardo being one of them. Well off the pace of Lando Norris. Is anyone doubting him massively? Not really. No one's saying they only hired Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo to make Lando Norris look good. Because you wouldn't. Because there's every chance that Daniel Ricciardo, 10 races into a season, could completely outdrive Lando Norris in that car once he's got to grips with it. It's the same with Aston Martin and Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel could get the hang of it, get the car set up how he likes it, and Blooming Stroll could be nowhere. And we saw how well Vettel did in qualifying in Portimao. That was a little glimmer of Sebastian Vettel being back already. He got into Q3. The race wasn't perfect for him, but I think this is a really good start for Sebastian Vettel. I think it's positive. And I think that car is not as good as what people are expecting it to be. So, this is just a ridiculous statement. There's no fact behind it. It is just, it feels like a get me in the headlines, I know what I'm talking about kind of statement. And I don't really enjoy it. It's just based on absolutely nothing. So, Lance Stroll is good. Sebastian Vettel is one of the best that there ever has been, hence the record that he's got and the fights he had to put up with. He's a great driver. I think we're going to see that again. Do you think there's any merit in the words of, of Colin, Harry? I, I don't know whether it was he's, you know, said it wrong, because if, if uh, and I, I'm on the um, you know, agreement of Sam, I think he said we'll find his seat again, and we kind of saw a tiny glimmer and brought him out, but if he'd say he didn't and Stroll beats him convincingly over the course of this year or even over the course of the next couple of years, then you can fairly say Vettel joined the team but he managed, and he made Stroll look really good because the four-time world champ came in and, and Stroll beats him. But that I can't imagine that was their rationale behind bringing him to the team. I don't see why they'd want to... Well, it just it doesn't make any sense, does it? It's not why you go, that's why we'll get the four-time world champion in to make my son look good. It doesn't seem to make any sense. So, yeah, I think they brought him in for the obvious reasons of the fact that he is a four-time world champ. He has the the experience and the expertise of being in a championship-winning team. Um, yeah, strange one, Colin, mate. Not sure... Not sure what point you're trying to make. I, may, I mean, maybe I can. Maybe he just said it wrong. But um, that's the only way I can see it kind of making sense. But uh, yeah, he's not been he's not been brought in to to make Stroll look good. I don't think that's. I mean, so far it's not worked that much, has it? But anyway, Colin, mate, go back to the cereals. <laughs> back in your box. <laughs> I mean. At the moment, uh, the, the Aston Martin is not on the same level that it was was last year, um, and it, at least in this early part of the season, the car as a whole is is struggling. I think Lance Stroll is is looking pretty good throughout the first few races of this season in comparison with with Seb Vettel. Um, obviously, the qualifying performance by Sebastian Vettel in, in Portugal was definitely a step forward, but outside of that, I think Lance Stroll has done a done a reasonable job. Um, you know, he did a did a pretty good job in 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 Bahrain and in Imola. Vettel struggled at both, so you know, going up against a four time world champion and and doing a respectable job, even if it is a brand new team for Vettel, I think it is looking pretty good for for Lance Stroll at the moment. You, you're right in what you say, Sam, in that Vettel is definitely not the only new driver to struggle. And you would imagine that as the season goes on, Vettel um, is going to at least have the chance to replicate what we saw in Portugal qualifying and, and be on a more competitive footing with his teammate. 
you know, Charles Leclerc is is regarded very highly by myself, but also by a lot of other people. Uh, he did a bit of a job on Sebastian Vettel last season. And I know it's only a few races into this season, but Stroll is is also doing a fairly good job against him. Stroll is definitely not viewed in the same light as Charles Leclerc. So maybe there, there is an element here that, that Lance Stroll can, can look better. The thing is, though, and this is where I completely disagree with it, is it, that's not the reason he was bought in. You know, that might be a byproduct of the first, the results of the first few races and the performances of the first few races, but it's not why he's there. You know, the, Lawrence Stroll has not got to where he has got. He has not got to that position in Aston Martin being a billionaire by making stupid decisions just to make his son look good. Like, you can't be that rich unless, you know, he has he has an offshore account just off the coast of Lapland. But I, I, I don't think I don't think he does, despite his ties to his ties to the North Pole. I, I don't I I don't think that, that Lawrence Stroll is gonna think that way. He's a businessman and he believes I, I, I believe that he believes Lance Stroll has the ability to be a world champion. I don't believe he's correct, but I think that's what his rationale is. And he needs a good driver alongside him. He has he has um ambition for Aston Martin. He wants them to be champions. You don't make decisions just to make your son look good if you want to be a champion. Look at they gave up Sergio Perez. Perez had been there for for something like six years and had got so many podiums for the team and and punched above his weight. You don't get rid of that unless there is a very good reason to bring someone else in, and that reason is Sebastian Vettel has won championships and he has that experience. That reason isn't because my my son might look a bit better because he can beat someone who's already won titles. I've got no time for this argument. I think it's ridiculous. Oh, put that to bed. Go back to Not the cereals. Come on. Uh, build, building on from get, that one, though. Getting a little multi-pack. <laughs> <laughs> the the variety packs are, are fantastic. Bring them, Honestly, they should be better known. Anyway, um, related to that, Sebastian Vettel. Um, we, we've already referenced the Portugal qualifying and how it seemed to be a step in the right direction. Do you think, Sam, that that is the, the first step and that he's going to, if, even if it's not this weekend, but is he going to carry that on over the next few weekends? Just to talk about variety packs momentarily. If okay. Would like, <laughs> I, <laughs> if anyone would like to tweet me a thread of F1 teams as serials from variety packs, I would be very up for featuring that in possibly a video. So let me know your thoughts over on Twitter at Breaking, please. I've, I've um, got to ask. I've, I've got to ask, yeah. Harry. Do you do you like a shredded wheat? I bet you do. <laughs> You're a porridge man. I can, Harry. Do you know? I can't even uh, remember the last time I had one. So yeah, right. there you go. I just thought, based on your choices of brunch bars, that shredded wheat would be right <laughs> up your street. But, <laughs> but right. nothing's better than a brunch bar, so I don't know how. I'm, I'm putting. I'm putting a stop wheat. to it. I'm putting a stop to it. <laughs> We're talking about Sebastian Vettel. You started it. <laughs> and now I'm ending it. Um, right. Yes, Sebastian Vettel. I do. I do think this is a place to kick on from. I think he had a good display in Portimao qualifying. The race was not bad for him. It wasn't, you know, groundbreaking. It wasn't breathtaking, but it wasn't bad. He improved from the first two races. It felt better for him. Um, I feel like as we come to more tracks that he's aware of, 
Again, remember we've been to Imola and we've been to Portimao. He's raced there once, probably in the last God knows how long, in a team that he's not used to. I think as we get to tracks like Catalonia, to Monaco, to those tracks that he's very familiar with, he's raced year on year on year, and he becomes more familiar with the team with the car, we will see Sebastian Vettel challenging his teammate and the rest of that midfield more and more often. So same with Alonso. We're seeing Alonso make mistakes. But Alonso is also then able to start delivering where he is able to. And he's finding those little glimmers of, uh, of okay. You know, those hard tyres might well represent the hard tyres that Alonso used to ra- uh, race on. They're very similar. So I feel like the pair of them as world champions, they get their time to ease back into their new situation. They were very dominant at what they did at one point. The times have changed. They still have a lot of talent. They don't just lose that talent. We are going to see that continually build into the season as we go forward. There's a long Long way to go, folks. Another 20 races were going to happen. You are going to see some good moments from these guys. They've got world champs for no reason. Uh, what do you reckon, Harry? Do you think that, that qualifying session in, in Portugal was the was the first step for him? Uh, I definitely think it was encouraging. I think as well, if you consider that uh, Stroll was the car that had the upgrades on it. I mean, on the flip side, that could mean that the upgrades aren't very good. But we'll find out this weekend because they both got them. But... Uh, yeah, I think if you take it just uh, as right, then yeah, it looks pretty encouraging because Seb got into Q3 and Stroll didn't get out of Q1. And I know that midfield is super tight, but it seemed that Vettel was able to pull together quick collapse more consistently than he's been able to, well, for throughout the year. And to be honest, I know it, you know he hasn't been fantastic in the first two races, but he's been bad luck as well. I think. Um, I mean, Imola, it's, his brakes were on fire before the race even started, so that kind of started a bad, uh, kicked off a bad weekend for him. Um, but yeah, I think it's a promising sign. Um, and as Sam made the point, you know, Alonso's not been stunning. He woke up in the second half of Portimao and it was like watching the old Alonso. And, you know, same for Ricardo, who's moved to a new team. Um, it's, it's tricky, especially, in, you know, for those guys in such a tight midfield. Um, signs being another one, um, yeah, you you've got to be on it all the time, and whilst you're still learning, then it, I think it's tricky. So, yeah, I think it looked, it looked better for Seb. He fell back a couple of places during the race, but again, it's so close to that midfield and that e- easily done. So, um, yeah, I just hope he's able to carry that form, to carry on that form from quality because it was like he remembered who he was, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, I. It's not until we've actually started debating this that has made me realise how disastrous his first few races have been and actually how much he really needed that session. Because if you were to go back to, obviously, brand new team, first time in the Aston Martin was pre-season testing, has a horrible pre-season test. I think, apart from apart from Goat Nassani, who didn't do the full test, he did fewer laps than anyone else. It was not a good, not a good pre-season test at all. Goes into the first race in Bahrain, starts at the back, pretty disastrous. Well, it has a disastrous incident with Ocon that, that ends that, and then he moves on to to Imola, has to start, you know, breaks on fire before the race starts. He he has had an absolutely disastrous start to this season, and he really needed, even though it was only a qualifying session, he needed something like that to at least give him some encouragement to move forward. Um, you know, if you to. I don't know if you would take like Yuki Tsunoda at AlphaTauri, like it's obviously his debut, but it's his first season at AlphaTauri as well. He's had a couple of 
poor sessions, a couple of crashes and such. Um, but he at least had a bit of confidence to go on in terms of like preseason testing where he had the, I think the second fastest time possibly. Um, so, you know, he had that encouragement. Vettel's literally had nothing since joining Aston Martin. So it was good for him to get that session under under his belt. Um, I think what you say on the upgrades is is right, Harry. It's either a sign that the upgrades aren't working at all on Stroll's car or it is a sign that he's got a, he's got a difficult challenge if Sebastian Vettel can keep putting this together. Um, it's one of those where I, I, I want to see it happen again. I want to see... First of all, I want to see that again in a qualifying session, and I want to see that converted into a into a race format. Um, I, I think did, did he go pretty well at Spain last year? I, he didn't go well in many races, but he might have he might have put something together which was all right in Spain. I can't even remember Spain last year. I think I just blocked uh, it I, out my mind. I've erased I was it. About, yeah. I was about to say, was Spain even on the calendar last year? Yeah, who <laughs> won it? I remember. Don't remember. Hamilton won it by four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Good. so yeah I, I i think this was a really important step and i'm interested to see what uh what comes next for him we'll finish today off with fill in the blank f1 fill in the who's phil this is one we this is one we haven't played in a long long time um so i'll read out a sentence we've got three of them here uh and we just need to fill in the blank with whatever we think is right so uh harry i'll start with you the favorite for the driver's title right now is blank it's the one who's leading it (laughs) so there's Hampton. (laughs) yeah I think I think it, I think it's a it's a valid point, isn't it? I think you can't. Yeah, it's been so back and forth. I think you could you could uh, well, in my view, you can only put the one who's got the championship lead as the favourite. I don't think there's been enough of a performance gap at any point between either Verstappen or Hamilton to pinpoint it on either one of them. So I'll go for the one that's got the most points because that's logical. <laughs> Right, Verstappen wins the 2021 title. Good stuff. Um, Sam, what are you filling in the blank with there? Yeah, Harry's predictions are like some incredibly ancient voodoo curse that, um, you know, the mystic times go, don't let Harry predict what might happen because you will be affected with the bad luck. Um, That is exactly what happens when Harry mutters your name. So sorry, Lewis, (laughs) that's it. Game over, you're done. Um, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely agree with him. And currently I get the majority of things right out of the three of us. We'll wait till that ends at the end of this season. Um, but I also think that Lewis Hamilton is the favourite still for the season. I think we might see the Constructors' Championship swing a little more. I feel like Red Bull are going to have a bit of a late surge when Shaka really adjusts to the car. If Bottas keeps that form up as well, I think that's definitely pot- uh, Bottas. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Bottasable. <laughs> Not a thing, folks. Impossible. That's impossible. Lewis has got so much form. Lewis has got so much raw ability. And he's also got that experience of fending off championships, which Max doesn't have. Max has still never led a championship, let alone got close to winning one. Whereas I think Lewis has just got that, kind of that wise old head on him now, which knows how to deal with someone like Max Verstappen. It's going to be downright close. And I would not blame you for putting Max in that position. But for me, uh, Lewis is long-term ability means that it's a consistency that makes him the favorite 
Yeah, uh, for me, the favourite for the driver's title right now is Lewis Hamilton. Um, I, I, I think both of them are quality drivers. Um, so in that instance where they're both quality, you just have to ask yourself the question, who do you trust more? Uh, and I trust the driver that's gone and done it seven times and a team that's done it with him six times. I, you know, it, it, it seems to it seems to add up. And, and Max Verstappen, I've got no doubt there are championships in his future. Maybe it does happen this year, but... I think this is somewhat being stylized incorrectly, actually, as the young upcomer in Max Verstappen, who's incredibly talented, raw talent, against the the old-timer, experienced Lewis Hamilton. And I think it is somewhat being characterized as, as pace versus experience, when actually it isn't. It's pace versus pace and experience. Lewis Hamilton hasn't dropped off a cliff yet. Like Lewis Hamilton, in terms of his performance, is still right there as one as as you know in my opinion the best in formula 1 at some point you know his his talents will start to wane and i think at that point it becomes almost a dead heat between him and max verstappen because verstappen might have that raw pace edge on lewis hamilton but for now i think lewis hamilton is still on the top of his game so that experience edge that he has that's actually the difference here and why i think he is he is the favorite at this moment in time at least Second one, the most impressive drive of the season so far has been blank, Harry. Can you come back to me? Because I thought I said driver. <laughs> I haven't thought about driver. I was going to go with the driver. Go to Sam. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Sam, hopefully you're all right in terms of the reading. The most impressive <laughs> drive, the most impressive drive of the season so far has been blank. Uh, Lando Norris at Imola for me has been the most impressive drive of the season so far the first three um, that car is an absolute bullet in a straight line but the strategy is a little bit different uh, the fact that he managed to hold off those Ferraris so brilliantly when other people were making passes in the dry left right centre the moment that DRS became available was excellent held off Lewis really really well when um, it was even dry and there was DRS available and there was a couple of laps there where Norris took everything perfectly to hold it together and came home for a brilliantly deserved podium and also that qualifying, he got set back by that lap deletion. He was going to be obviously on that front two rows, which is fantastic, and had to fight his way through at the start again. So for me, really impressive. Lando Norris has been up there as driver of the season for me so far. He has displayed brilliant qualities. And I think that race out of the first three really showed what he's capable of. Uh, the fact he pulled away from Ricardo from four seconds in two laps is absolutely breathtaking to me. That's Daniel Ricardo. That's crazy. So for me, he's absolutely brilliant so far. And that one is what's capped it. Harry, have you got the eyes of someone ready to give an answer? Yeah, I mean, if it was if it was uh, for the blank for driver, I was going to go for Landon Norris because uh, he's been so impressive. But uh, for drive, uh, and I totally agree with what Sam said, but I'm going to go for uh, the little rocket ship of Yuki Tsunoda in Bahrain. I know he's not been to- totally impressive in the the um, next two races, but in Bahrain um, and Merely because he absolutely planted one on Fernando Alonso, and yeah. not many yeah. people do that. I think the last person I remember doing that really properly was his fellow countryman, Takuma Masato. He also planted one on Fernando I Alonso. You Alonso's so, um... fellow countryman then? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, In Yuki Tsunoda's. Yuki Tsunoda is unimpressive until he can do what Sato did in a uh, in a Super Aguri. Like, yeah, true, 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 true. He, I mean, not you know. it's not the set quite the same level. I mean. Alfa Tari Super Aguri is like, yeah, anyway. 
Um, yeah, but I'll go for Yuki. I know it's not been too great since then, but for a rookie debut, it was uh, it was hella impressive. You know, it's been 15 years and I still can't quite get over a Super Aguri overtaking Fernando Alonso. And I don't <laughs> think I ever will. Um, what a moment. <laughs> what a moment indeed. Um, this is where I, I compliment Lando Norris because if I think through the first three races, if you were to put together, say, a top five or a top six in terms of the most impressive performances... I genuinely think all three of Lando Norris's three races would appear in that top five. He has been that good so far this year. And I cannot remember the last time that any driver in Formula One had such an impressive three-race streak that Lando Norris has had. Because each of his last three races have been utterly phenomenal. And it says a lot that Sam's drive of the season so far is actually... The performance that I think of the three was Lando Norris's weakest, and to be clear, that's <laughs> that's not that's not me throwing shade at Lando Norris because I I gave him a nine out of ten for that race. The point is, I think the other two have been just as impressive, and actually even more impressive than that. And I am going to go with a Lando Norris performance, but I'm going to go for his one from Bahrain rather than the one from from Imola. Um, what a statement to make on a driver such as Daniel Ricciardo coming into your team, uh, you know. Daniel Ricciardo came across with with such pedigree and you know I'm sure he's going to get it together and he's going to be on a better pace as the season goes on but to go out there in the first race and outperform him at such a rate was so impressive and the nearest midfield rival to him was Charles Leclerc and I think that was about 14 seconds back from where he finished it was a phenomenal performance um and quite frankly I think you could put any one of Lando Norris's three performances in this spot right now um the other the other contender for me actually would be lewis hamilton in portugal was another great one but yeah i lando norris to this to this point in the season like i say i can't actually remember the last time that a driver had three consecutive races that were all so impressive he's been that good last one then bottas should be blank about the possibility of a mid-season switch with Russell. Sam, what have you got on this one? Well, partly wanted to say suing, uh, because the Daily Mail are once again chatting absolute poddle-tosh. Uh, and once you ever read the phrase Daily Mail in the first sentence of any kind of sports quote, stop reading and move on with your time. Um, the actual quote, I'm going to say is not phased because it came from the Daily Mail. It's a load of rubbish. Mercedes <laughs> would do it. It's, it's, it's such rubbish. They're not going to put... I know I like to stir the pot a little bit, especially when it comes to a Mercedes seat. Pierre Gasly in there, George Russell in there, who knows? Uh, but honestly, Mercedes are the most consistent team for a reason. They've changed their driver lineup twice in the since they've existed in Formula One. That's how they... You know, that's how crazy they've had four drivers since they were here in the sport... For this second time, for this second run, they're not going to suddenly go, "Oh, Bottas, you're you're not literally one point behind Lewis." Immediately, get out. Also, they've got to consider Lewis Hamilton, who is their prized asset. If Lewis wants the up and comer George Russell nipping at his heels trying to take points off him, not really. They've got a perfectly coherent team. They've achieved the most championships in a row of any single person. Bottas has been a, an instrumental part of that over the last couple of years. Bottas hasn't got to worry about it. Bottas needs to be bothered if he's not winning his championships for himself. But Mercedes, they could not care less. If they bring home both, they're happy. He won't be losing his drive for that. Bottas is doing just fine. Russell needs to take it at the end of the season 
or Hamilton retires, they won't be swapping in mid-season. Harry, Bottas should be blank about the possibility of a mid-season switch with Russell. I put uh, writing slanderous social media posts. Yes. <laughs> no, I, oh I don't. I don't. Um, I don't believe that's going to happen either. I'm on the on the same wavelength as Sam. I don't think. And look, for Mercedes, it's still as long as he is in. You know the position he was in on uh, on Sunday. Then I don't think it makes too much of a difference for him. Uh, to Mercedes, sorry. So, yeah, they're not going to get rid of him mid-season. If he's still that backup driver and wins some championships, then, yeah, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, also, Sam has said a nice thing about... <laughs> Sam has said a nice thing about Bottas, and now his screen has gone blank. So that is obviously God punishing him. Uh, he's never coming back on the podcast. <laughs> Oh dear. oh dear! Well, I mean, we actually thought that Sam might, you know, continue to say good things about Bottas, but this has proven that if you say good things about Valtteri Bottas, you get punished for it. <laughs> so he's going to go back to his normal ways. Um, yeah, can't can't see you at all, Sam. Um, oh, not even here at all anymore. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, oh, well, there we go. I'm back. And my answer on this one, um, it's actually pretty much the same as what Sam has said, but just a slightly different word. I've gone with Bottas should be unbothered by this because firstly, primarily, I don't think Mercedes would would entertain this idea. Um, I don't believe it for a second. And secondly, even if there was the possibility that this could happen, even if it was you know very much in the pipeline, I still think that Bottas should be unbothered by it because the second he starts looking over his shoulder, which he quite literally had to do to George Russell in Imola, the second he starts to do that, he loses his focus. And we know what a difficult job he has to do when he has 100% focus. So, you know, as soon as that that goes, as soon as he starts to worry about anything other than him doing a good job in the Mercedes car, that's the point where I think his performances would, would not only drop off, I think they would, they would really go at that point um, and unravel potentially um a la sort of Danny Kavia. So I you know, I, I think he should be unbothered because there's no chance it's it's gonna happen. I also think he should be unbothered by it because even if it could happen, that's the best way to approach it. That's imbottassable. Good. That is <laughs> imbottassable. Get that in there again. Makes no sense. <laughs> well in what, I, hang on. I'm not but uh, what situation would that occur? When What's something happened? was to happen to Valtteri Bottas that is impossible. <laughs> Such as? <laughs> Such as being replaced by George Russell halfway through the season. That's impossible. <laughs> Full I'm not. I'm not quite sure how we've managed to touch upon Coco Pops and <laughs> things being impossible. And there's been a few things in between, possibly, that you might have found useful or entertaining. Um, before before we do anything else ridiculous, Sam, wouldn't you mind getting us out of here? Folks, tell me, please, what you fill up the Pyramids of Giza with. I'd love to know. Of course, we've also got the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Can we back to review that? Um, 
if you if you get bored, think of things. It might keep you entertained. Uh, we will be back straight after the race. We'll be talking about all the high points. Hopefully, there are many to discuss, and we've got a very fun-filled podcast. Positive. If not, we will come up with something bizarre or silly or interesting to talk about uh, because that's what we do. That's what we love doing. So we will see you back here on Sunday. We'll also be over on YouTube, of course. Join us on Twitter at L Breaking. We'll be back tweeting along with what's going on, all the live events, any other motorsport news. Do join us there. In the meantime, I've been Sammy Sane. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Paul Tracy. And remember, <laughs> keep breaking late. Oh, spuds. Sports Social Podcast Network.